open together to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. About 30 years ago, I preached my first message from Luke 9. The text was verses 23 through 26. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, verse 24. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and he himself is destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his fathers and all of the holy angels. The title of that message was The Cost of Commitment. The Cost of Commitment. And this morning as we look at the Lord's table, I want us to be reminded of what commitment really is. Jesus gave it all. Jesus gave it all. Uh, here's a modern day picture of all in. A chicken and a pig were walking down the streets of the village of Camden. And they came to the restaurant and the sign said, Today's special ham and eggs. And the pig looked over at the chicken and said, remember, for you it's a sacrifice, for me it's everything. You see, folks, Jesus is everything for you and I as a believer. And I want you to understand something about communion, about the Lord's Supper. Most of the time growing up as, uh, as a boy in the church I came from, we always observed it in the evening. When I came to Camden, that's what we've done for many years. That's what I did. And, and then I realized we were missing the majority of our church folks that would not maybe never come back on Sunday night to be part of it. So that's when we began to look at Sunday mornings in the past years. But make sure you understand something today. The Lord's table is for believers in Jesus Christ. This is a worship expression for you and I as believers. So if you're here and, and maybe you have it in your hand, and that's okay. But I want you to understand, uh, this is for you if you've given your life to Christ, like Chloe Cruz. And, and I want to encourage you this morning to be reminded that even in this picture in Luke chapter 9, God has blessed us with the opportunity to begin a service with the same picture, but in the act of baptism. In the life of a believer, buried, raised to walk in newness of life. Now, Luke chapter 9 is what I'm going to call, you ready? Look at me. Loaded. What, what, are, you, what are you saying, Brother Greg? Well, the disciples are sent out. Uh, John and Shauna, Joe, is, is he already there? Is he already in Italy? Okay. Uh, if you were in our last business meeting, the church voted to significantly help Jacob Keener continue his look at God's call on his life. 
and that includes a three-month mission stint in Sicily, Italy. Now, it's interesting that Sicily was one of our featured, or Italy was one of our featured places in Bible school this year. But Jacob Keener is getting ready to leave, and, and uh, when I shared with him what the church was doing, he was just so thrilled and, and uh, how God has provided. Well, in Luke chapter 9, the disciples have been sent out. Listen to what else this chapter has. The feeding of the 5,000. Peter's confession, thou art the Christ. As a matter of fact, if you look at verses 21 and 22, Jesus begins to talk about his death and burial. Uh, verse 22, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. This chapter even has, uh, beginning with verse 27, Peter, James, and John seeing Jesus transfigured in all of his glory. So they see Jesus in all of his glory. Folks, let me tell you something. I believe we will see Jesus in all of his glory. As a matter of fact, you can argue with me after service, but, but when we get to heaven, we're not gonna, I don't believe we're going to go see God the Father, and then we're going to see God the Son, and then we'll make our way to the Holy Spirit. I believe we'll see Jesus in all of his glory. And their lives were forever changed. But yet, even in the midst of this chapter, your Bible might have a heading above verse 46. Mine says, who is the greatest? Even in the midst of all of this wonderful things taking place, and a boy, just after a boy's heel, even after Jesus again predicts his death, the disciples are talking about who's number one. Who's the most important among us? And then we get to verse 51. Now it came to pass, when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and to consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Last week, we spoke of the disciples. Remember, we said a disciple is a learner, is a pupil, is a follower. But brothers and sisters, there comes a point where it's time to put into practice everything you've learned. Warren Wiersbe says this about this passage. He says, in this text, you see that their lack of love for each other, the disciples, remember, they're wondering who the greatest is. It carries over into their lack of love for others who are not quite like them. And in this passage, it's the Samaritans. 
Now, verse 51 says, when the time had come for him to be received up. Most of my Christian life, I've taken this to mean uh, when it's time for Jesus to go to Calvary. When it's time for Jesus to die for our sins. But there are many who believe that this is really talking about the ascension. When he goes back to the Father. You see, I was always thinking it was about the cross. But aren't you glad today that the cross doesn't have the final say? Aren't you glad today that the tomb is empty? Now, you may have, you may have a crucifix hanging in your house as a, as a piece of art or a reminder, but I want to remind all of us, maybe you have one around your neck today, but I want to remind all of us that the cross is vacant. Jesus has died, and the good news is the tomb is empty. Jesus is not going back to the cross. He's not going to die again for your sin. The Bible says that just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. The good news is, your sins have been paid for. Have you received it? Have you placed your faith in the one who died for you? The Bible says in that same verse 51, uh, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Steadfast. The word means to be resolute in a certain direction. It means to confirm. Brother Greg, what are you saying? I'm telling you that Jesus had you and I on his heart because the cross was what he was focused on. He was on his way to Calvary. But don't you forget that the Lord Jesus knew that there would be beating, there would be mockery, there would be the cross, the nails, the blood, and the pain. Jesus knew everything that was in front of him. Verse 52. He sent messengers before his face. As they went, they entered the village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. Now, when we talk about the Samaritans, we normally talk about John 4 and the woman at the well and how there was such hatred between the Samaritans and the Jews that the Jew wouldn't even pass through Samaria. What are you, what are you saying, Brother Greg? Something like this. I'm going to... West Manchester but I'm sure not going through Eaton I don't know if that's a good example or not but that's the first one I can think of I'm going to Hamilton but I can assure you I'm not going through Seven Mile oh man getting a little close to home ain't it huh? folk listen to me there was such hatred and, and, and I think sometimes we really miss the big picture of the hatred the Samaritans were descendants from mixed marriages of the Jews who were left in the land at the time of captivity in Assyria who married with the non-Jew who dwelt there. They worshipped in their own temple on a place called Mount Gerizim. It was so combative that that was destroyed and the hatred of the Samaritan was against orthodox worship that the Jews had. So it's just more than ancestry. It was everything. That makes a little more sense to me when you look at verse 53 when the Bible says, but they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. 
I want to tell you this morning that there's no one in the world that Jesus loves any more than anybody else, and there's no one in the world that he loves any less than anybody else. So you might be here this morning and think that you're the most righteous person in this building. Well, I'll remind you that our righteousness is only in Jesus Christ. You might be here today and say, Brother Greg, you don't, you don't know my past. You don't know the, the, the prison record I have. Listen, folks, that does not change the way God sees you. There's nothing you can do to get to heaven, and there's nothing you can do bad enough to be forgiven by the one who wants to take you to heaven. There was great hostility amongst the Samaritans and the Jews. Last week we talked about truth. What do you do with the truth? And it seems to be that the disciples who have walked this great chapter 9 with Jesus are still struggling with some of the things about walking the Christian life. I mean, did they think they were whispering about who's the greatest? Uh, when you look at verses 46 through 48, a dispute arose among them to which one would be the greatest. And Jesus, the Bible says, perceiving the thought of their heart, he knew what they were thinking, took a little child and set him by him and said, whoever receives this little child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you will all be great now the question is why is he having to deal with this they couldn't understand look at verse 46 or I'm sorry um, look at verse 49 it continues on John answered and said master we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we forbade him because he does not follow with us but Jesus said to him, Do not forbid him, for he who is not against us is on our side. Boy, doesn't it sound like a, a bunch of Baptists right there? Man, Lord, they're not in our church. They're not a member of our church. They're, they're, they're not part of us. And Jesus is saying, Get over yourself. Man, we ought to praise God when something good happens anywhere for the glory of God. Amen? Uh, recently, Tim Tebow uh, if you, know, if you know who I'm talking about, raise your hand. If you know what football team he's playing with this year, say it. One, two, three. Okay, Jacksonville Jaguars. Who's the coach of that team? Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer said he wanted his presence in the locker room. This weekend, Tim Tebow spoke at First Baptist Church Woodstock. Wait till you see him, folks. He is huge. I'll give you a little example. I mean, he, he's huge. And here was the report from Woodstock. Man, a bunch of young people gave their life to Christ and came to Jesus. God is using this guy. And I have a feeling that if he's going to use him in front of a bunch of young people, he'll use him in the locker room of a football team. I praise the Lord that when you think about truth, there comes a point where you put it into action, but these disciples in many ways are not any different than we are from time to time. So Jesus begins to paint the picture. And as we come to the Lord's Supper this morning, as we look at communion, I want to give you a few thoughts. Here's the first. 
the Lord's table is not about rejection, it's about reception. It's about reception. I mean, we've trusted Christ as Savior. That's what we're, that's what we're saying. That's what we're testifying. Our desire is to live for the Lord as, as He desires to please Him. As a matter of fact, when you look back at verses 23 through 26, the Bible says if we desire to come after Him, we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Him. Now, His cross, folks, is not going back to Calvary and dying on it. The cross that Jesus is talking about is the cross that you will carry for your faith in Him, living your life for Him. I mean, today we're not going to die for the sins of man, but we are called to die to self. We are called to follow Him. And, and the good news is, is when you think about the cross, the cross is not a place of rejection, it's a place of reception. Now, I want to date us this morning. Uh, I want to date, see who's the old people in this room. Okay, you ready? How many of you have ever stooped to the point where all you had was a coat hanger and you had to bend it up a little bit in order to get better reception on your television? Raise your hand. Oh, I see those hands. I see those hands. Young people, and I'm one of them, for all of us that have raised our hands, that's a description of old. But I want to remind you that you can have a brand new, up-to-date, smart TV. And if you're not connected to a dish or wireless or some kind of cable company, that you can still play your television on local channels, but you have to have a what? Antenna. Not long ago, I told Renee, I'm tired of this. And, and went to the store, bought the first antenna uh, that I could find, the simplest one. What did they used to call these? Rabbit ears. If you said rabbit ears just now, you are old, okay? So what do we do? We position those rabbit ears to get the best what? Oh, you guys are doing good today. The best reception. And you move them. You know what I'm talking about. And when you walk away, it's not as good as it was when you were close to it. And then you'll get up on the chair and I'll say, Renee, how's that? How's that? Oh, that's good. Just stay there. Just stay there. Reception. You see, Jesus came so that we could have the best possible relationship with God. And folks, the cross is the connection. The cross is the connection. And you'll say, Brother Greg, what if I mess up as a Christian? You will. Brother Greg, what if I really blow it? You will. Jesus said, I'll make it perfectly clear that when you're in heaven, the only explanation is I put you here. It's because of me. That's the good news of the gospel. So when you think of the Lord's table, it's not a place of rejection. It's a place of reception. It's a reminder that I'm taking this bread and this cup because I have received Jesus as Lord and Savior. If that's your testimony, say amen. But you know the Lord's table is also a place. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11, let a man, let a woman examine themselves. I want you to bow your heads.
If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, the Bible says, let a man examine himself. So right now, brothers and sisters, Christians, right now, in your spirit, what's in your heart, in your life that doesn't need to be there? Right now. Right now. The Bible says don't come to the table in an unworthy manner. So, so you've identified it. You're identifying it right now in your spirit. Ask God to forgive your heart. Oh, God, forgive me. Cleanse me. Cleanse me. Look at me. The Lord's table, if it's a place of reception, it's a place of thanksgiving. Oh, man, we stand forgiven at the cross. It's a place where we can be grateful, amen, and be reminded because of the love of God, I should be thankful every day of my life for what he's done and what he continues to do. So, so how do I show gratitude? Surrender. Surrender. You wake up in the morning and you recognize that you're not in control of your life. God is. And you say, Lord, I, I surrender my life to you this morning. Uh, I may not understand everything, but I lay it all down to you. The Bible says, I believe it's Pam. I think Pam Peters and I talked about this the other night. She said when she thinks about some things, Isaiah 53 is what she really thinks about. Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned our own way. And the Lord hath placed our iniquity on him. Let's say this. Let's say that my Bible right now represents my life. Daniel, look at me. This represents your life. Everything you've ever said, Isaac, ever thought, anything I've ever done in my life, is in this book. Sitting across from a holy God and he opens my book, I'm thinking, holy cow, I'm in trouble. Anybody want to say amen? It's lonely right now. It's lonely right now, me telling you this. Do you know what the Bible says according to Isaiah 53? All we like sheep have gone astray. All of us have sinned. The Lord has played our sin on his back. You know what? Boy, I sure am thankful for the cross. I sure am thankful for the cross. Where would I be without Jesus? It's a place of thanksgiving. It's a place of surrender. You've got to be, real, you've got to be willing to surrender your book to God. You say, well, why should I do that, Brother Greg? Well, first of all, he knows everything anyway. You're not hiding anything from him. How about free yourself up knowing that you've given it to him? And when you do that, the, th the next one here is you can settle it. It settles it. I've given it to him. He's taken it, and I'm going to trust him. And because of that, I can stand on the promises of the word of God. And according to the Bible you have in your hand and my Bible, 
No man can pluck me out of the Father's hand because he's the one that does the saving. You say, Brother Greg, what if I don't measure up? Nobody does. That's why you need to be saved. Brother Greg, what if I blow it as a Christian? I've already told you, we all will sometime. How do I respond when I blow it? How about recognizing it and saying I'm sorry, first of all? Just, just go for it. There might be some of you sitting here that haven't said you're sorry your entire life to somebody. I, I just challenge you this week. Swallow a little pride. It feels pretty good. It, it feels pretty good to, to recognize, man, I, I don't have it all together. You know, every year, every year, my intentions are to have a great garden. Every year. And this year is no different than any other. Yes, yesterday we went out, and my dad always told me it's a good time to pull weeds after it's rained because the ground's soft. And Renee and I went out there, and we started tying up tomato plants and just kind of getting it organized a little bit. And I thought, oh, my goodness. There's more weeds out here than I thought. Well, I had Renee out there. And I'd start on a place, and I'd say, Renee, come over here and look at this. And what I was doing is I was getting her into my vicinity because she's just prone when her head's down, she's pulling the weed. She's doing something. And I thought, if I can keep her out here, we'll get this thing done before long. But here's what I'm, I'm reminded of when I look at my garden. It doesn't take long for it to get out of control. Anybody want to say amen? Years ago, our church was so spiritual, we went on a trip, came home, and there was a sign in our garden that said, Garden of Whedon. It came from you. It came from you. Settle it. That's what the Lord's table is. I have settled it. When Chloe was in my office before the service, I asked her, Chloe, did you ask Jesus to come into your heart? Yes, when? In Bible school. She settled it. And because of that, you can stand on the promises of it. That's the good news of the gospel. Now, the title of the message is Rejection, Rebuke, and Redemption. Rejection came from the Samaritans. Rebuke was aimed at the disciples. Redemption comes by way of the cross and by way of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Carl Ramsdale wrote it this way. He steadfastly set his face toward Jerusalem. There's triumph in that tree. I'm talking about the tree of Calvary. There's hope. Come follow me. I'm talking about faith that sets a man free. With Jesus in your heart, you'll have the courage to do anything. He'll show mighty strength when they crucified him for being a king, saying, I can't do it. Saying, I can't do it is telling God you don't believe he can. God won't break his promises. He kept each one since this whole world began. Sometimes you will wonder uh, why something happened to your perfect plan. God won't limit himself. His plan is bigger. We just don't understand. With God, it's possible to do anything, to take a stand. God won't disappoint you. He will always be holding your hand. Now, in this passage, we're reminded that sometimes we want, to, we want God to do it exactly the way he used to do it. You're saying, what, what do you mean, Brother Greg? 
Well, the disciples said, do you want fire to come down from heaven and just kill them all like, it did, like Elijah did? Here's the problem I see in this. Pat, in this. Verse 54. Do you want us to command fire? And they're standing there talking to Jesus. He's the one who's in control. He's the one who calls the shots. It's like that little toddler that you raised or you are raising or that little grandbaby who's trying to tell you when they're going to bed or what they're going to do. We had uh, Kobe and Jordy uh, Friday night. They got up Saturday morning, had breakfast, and kind of played for a while. And Renee said, boys, let's get our teeth brushed before mom and dad get here. And Kobe said, we don't, we don't have to brush our teeth in the morning. You didn't. Uh, the only ones that are laughing are you ladies because you're some of you men probably right there in that same camp. We said, what? We don't have to brush our teeth in the morning. Who told you that? Mom. Mom denied the whole story when she got there. What I'm saying is, that's the way we act to God sometimes. I don't need to read my Bible. God, I'm, I'm still, I'm a good Christian. I'm still better than the average Christian. I'm still, I'm still nicer than people I work with. I don't need to do that. I don't need to pray. I don't need to read the Bible. I sure don't need to go to church. Church never saved anybody. You show me in the Bible where it says you're saved by going to church. I can't. But I can show you in the Bible where it says to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I can show you in the Bible where there's something about community that strengthens us. Amen? That's the good news. Oh, folks, I've heard it all. I've heard it all. Preacher, you show me in the Bible where it says I can't drink. Well, I can. But I'll show you in the Bible where you can blow your testimony in a minute. That's your decision to make then. If you get to the point where you wonder if what you're doing is wrong, you have answered the question, don't do it. Because you're already worried about what somebody will think. Um, years ago when Drew and Ashley... Uh, Drew was going to ask Ashley to marry him. So it's the big night of the uh, ask her to marry, the engagement. I don't know if that's the right word. I mean, it's not really an engagement until they say yes, right? Proposal. Proposal. And his desire was to get some sparkling cider. And we found this out later. He blindfolded her from Miamisburg. They stopped and got gas at Speedway, so right off the bat, people think you're kidnapping somebody. They got out to Camden. He, he had gone to uh, Walmart and eaten to find sparkling cider, didn't know where to get it, ended up in the alcohol aisle, saw somebody from church, scared him to death, backtracked from his decision to get sparkling cider, and got grape crush. And, and put it on ice for the big proposal. Uh, why, why, what are you even telling that story? Because if you have to wonder if it looks bad, you've already answered the question. 
the bread in the cup, man, alive. That's the picture of who you are as a Christian. I think that's why Paul says it's so important to examine ourselves. You see, they're reminders of the grace of God. And that's why Jesus gets their attention and says, we're not going to ask call fire from heaven and, and destroy them. You see, the bread and the cup are reminders of God's grace. John 3, 17, For God did not send his Son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Number three. So we come to the table, and this is the day to turn from what is displeasing to the Lord. You lay it at the foot of the cross. Kyle Eidemann describes it as an aha moment. A-H-A. The prodigal son. You're awakened. You come to the point where you realize. The H is honesty. Where am I at? What am I going to do? The last A is the action. Where do we go from here? So don't miss the moment. Number four. Look at me. Jesus didn't come to make your life miserable. He came to make it meaningful. Meaningful. Brother Greg, what, what exactly are you saying? Well, we know the Bible says in John 10, 10, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So there must be another way of life? Yeah. The first part of John 10, 10. The thief doesn't come except to steal, kill, and destroy. God's got a plan for your life. And he wants you to receive him and follow him. That's the good news of the gospel. I want you to take your cup, if you will. And I want you to peel off the very thin top layer. You'll see your bread. Okay? In Luke chapter 22, verse 14, the Bible says, And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him and said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I will tell you, I will not eat it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this, and he divided it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine or until the kingdom of God comes. And the Bible says, and then he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. God, we thank you that this morning, as we take this bread, that we are brothers and sisters young and old, children, students, young people who are bonded together by the cross of Calvary, by your payment for our sin. We recognize that this wafer doesn't have any saving significance, but it does have symbolic significance of how much you love us. So Lord, help us to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. And they took the bread. In a poem by Frank Carpenter, written about the Lord's Supper, he wrote these words. Beloved child, though you have wandered far from me, though your very nature repelled me, though your rebellion was deserving of death, I love you still, beloved child. Because of my boundless love for you, I reached out across time for you. I reached out beyond sin for you. I reached out to rescue you because of my love for you, beloved child. Because of my perfect love for you, I took your sin upon myself. I bore the cross you should have borne. I died the death which you deserved. I sacrificed my life for you, all for the love of you, beloved child. Because of my sacrificial love for you, I canceled your iniquity. I cleansed you from the stain of sin. I washed you whiter than the snow. I bought you for eternal life. Because of my love for you, I am my father's beloved child. But his love for you is such that he offered me on your behalf. He offered me to suffer and die. Think about Jesus. That he might draw you back unto himself. Because of his great, for lo his great love for you, beloved child. Because of my gracious love for you, I gave my body to be broken for you. I gave my blood to be poured out for you. The blood of my covenant and my forgiveness. These I offered willingly because of my love for you. Always remember my love for you. May the bread and the cup ever be tokens between us, taken because of your love for me. Would you take the cup? Hold the seal. That second seal's a little harder. The Bible says, and likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Father, we thank you for your blood. What shall wash away our sin? Nothing but your blood. Thank you for loving us enough to go through everything you did, knowing that there would be times in our lives when we would let you down. So, God, we once again are reminded of your mercy and your grace. Thank you for the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And they took the cup. Let's stand together.